Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Roy Keane's on the line there. Roy, how are you? Fellow Corkman, how's things? How's it going? I was um, just driving around Cork here. I was going to get out of the car a while ago and I said, no, I've got to keep listening to this. I'm not impressed at all. Fair Hill? Fair, you think Fair Hill is hard? Yeah. You think Fair Hill is hard? I heard you talking about leeches there a while ago. You're afraid of leeches. Why didn't you just leave the leeches on? Just fucking, I left them on. Oh, okay. This is from a fellow that goes into a chipper and he's looking at where the exit is. <laughs> Thinking about an exit route, are you? I don't okay. look at exits. I get stuck in wherever I'm in. Straight in. No, I'm not saying, where. how do I get out of here? Where's the door? I'm there, show me who's in here and I'll fucking beat the whole lot of them. <laughs> Well, he's the nation's favourite hard man right now. No, not Roy Keane, but my special guest today on this episode, Ray Goggins, the head instructor on RTE's hugely popular Hell Week. Ray served in the Irish Army for 26 years, including 17 years in the fabled Irish Army Ranger Wing as an operator and leader in a Tier 1 Special Operations Unit. He's been in incredibly dangerous situations. He's seen awful sights. He's learned so much about himself but mainly about others along the way. And he shares everything with me in this chat. The two rules of Special Forces is always know where you are and always look good. And if you don't know where you are, always just look good and you're fine. That's what you do. <laughs> so you give that projection. Yeah. Even if you haven't a clue what you're doing, you never show it. Sounds like Zoolander. No, it actually sounds like RT, really, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you get almost this kind of sixth sense when you work in a kind of a zo- in zones like that or areas like that where... You have the, the radar. Your your radar is very kind of well-trained. So I used to go to Afghanistan for eight weeks at a time, nine weeks, off for a month, nine weeks. So you're sharp. Like, you need to be sharp because if you get something wrong, someone's going to get killed or you're going to get killed. Our tolerance for shit is fucking unbelievable. <laughs> it is like... And Paddy's just slide in, see what's going on, and they'll make the best of what's going on. Mm. Now, if that means shooting people, so be it. If it means having to crack of people, mm. that'll happen too. So that, that's kind of the difference where the Americans and other nationals go in and just shoot everybody first. The other thing I was thinking, there might be an opportunity for you in Dunn's Doors. You know, okay. my, my, have you thought about putting in, um, having your own line of torture accessories? Oh, that's actually a great idea, yeah. It'd be brilliant, yeah. because you'd be brilliant with the handcuffs and the, 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 yeah, ca- yeah. the, the, the cable ties and everything. Oh, yeah. Paul Carrigan's doing the golf. He is, yeah. I'm he doing is, the Lennon. Yeah. You could do the torture stuff. I could. You do not want to miss this one. I particularly enjoyed this chat and I'd never met Ray before and um, I was really, really impressed with this guy. It's all coming up in a couple of minutes' time. But everybody this week has been talking about the ploughing championships. What, two, three, four hundred thousand people turned up to the ploughing championships? Even some of my podcasting friends went down outside broadcasts to cover it. Jesus, look at the arms on this one. Just concentrate on the ploughing, Joanne. He can plough me any day, Vogie. <laughs> What's that joke? That, the tractor. Look at the arse on this mulchy. Jesus, oh. farmers are fucking rides. I can't understand a word they're saying, though. I know, it's terrible. No, it's way better. Oh. Yeah, whatever, Paddy. Just shut up and do me in the silage. <laughs> I say they're animals in the sack, Vogie. Let's get... That's a brilliant idea. What? Let's get a blow-up farmer. Why? For the stage show, Vogie. Oh. The big latex, plasticky fucking farmer thing, carrying yeah. a massive milking machine. They go mad for him. Jesus, shut up, shut up, shut up. Shh. Here oh, comes one now. Say nothing. How are you, girls? Hiya. Hiya. Back in a take, Vogie. Where are you going, Joanne? I'm going to ride the fucker sideways. Oh Here, Vogie. Jesus. And not only Vogue and Joanne, Nicola Talent. 
has been on about it. I'm Nicola Talent. In this week's Sunday World, I go deep inside a secret convention of scumbags. Hiding in plain sight in County Leash, this meeting of so-called agri-heads targets innocent rural types from all over the country where dealers can freely sell their wares. All the biggest dealers are in attendance. Toe rags like John Deere, Davy Brown, and the biggest psychopath of them all, Massey Ferguson. The agri-heads compete, chopping up the territory between them by slicing through the fields in a horrific tradition they call ploughing. Some cartels intimidate with guns and knives, but the agri-heads take it to a new level, casually pointing to combine harvesters and even slurry spreaders. Ploughing toe rags. This Sunday, only in the Sunday world. <laughs> oh, and by the way, if you didn't know already, you are currently listening to the top comedy podcast in Ireland, as voted in the Irish Podcast Awards just last Friday. And we are absolutely over the moon, myself and Patrick, with the award. I have it up on my shelf here at home. And uh, we really didn't expect the award. Delighted to be nominated in the first place. And congratulations to all the nominees. It's brilliant to see how far podcasts have come. That it started out as a small community here in Ireland. Now it's a big community. Now they have a big awards. And it's going to grow and grow and grow. It was absolutely fantastic. And we're delighted. So we're the top comedy podcast in Ireland. And long may we reign. Anyway, let's get to the main man of the moment. He's been waiting patiently. And uh, he might just kill me with his bare hands if I keep him waiting any longer. That is, of course, Ray Goggins. Ray is a fantastic guest. Have a listen. So, Ray, you alluded um, there a minute ago to me being from Waterford. I did. And actually, when I was in school in Waterpark in Waterford, I remember being of that age, you know, where you're 12 or 11 and, and like you'd be talking about like war and soldiers and everything. And there'd be always fellow that knew more than you. And there was this guy called Eddie Reid who knew more than all of us. But he said, here, lads, did you ever hear about the Irish Rangers, did you? And I went, the Rangers, what are they? They're like the toughest fucking bastards you'll ever meet. You know the SAS? Forget them, boy. Do you know the Navy SEALs? Forget them, boy. The Irish Rangers are the hardest cunts in the world. How many are there? There's only about five of them. <laughs> There's only about five of them. And they just live off pure buffalo and bison. Yeah. And they just eat walls. Yeah. And I, so this was inbred into all of us that there was these breed of creature called a ranger. An Irish ranger. And uh, they were, they were a, a, a specimen altogether. And of course, uh, Ray, you, you've been a ranger, an Irish ranger, an elite ranger. So what I is it? One of the five, yeah. One, one of the five. five. <laughs> what is it? What is a ranger? And what makes a ranger different from, let's say, a normal member of the army? And what is a ranger, basically? Okay, so a ranger is um, obviously someone who has to deal with more issues both internally and externally. Uh, so we recruit people from the, the regular army, Navy, Air Force. They, they go through what's called a selection process, which is 11 months and two weeks long. And if you've seen the Hell Week show and what goes on there, it's that for nearly a year, basically. So the failure rate is like 90%. Sometimes it's 100%. So what you get left is a very, a very credible, very kind of effective and someone with a very strong mindset. And that's what a ranger is. It's not about the disco muscles and eating snakes and jumping out of planes. It's your mindset. That's what makes you different. So your ability to be positive, your ability to get stuff done when it's almost impossible or seems impossible is the difference. That's what mm. makes a ranger. So it's not necessarily a physical thing. So in other words, a person who a person who may not be able to, let's say, lift that thing could end up being a ranger. Uh, 
Potentially, yes. Mm. Like mindset is the most important value and your ability to believe in yourself and get, get shit done, basically, no matter what. But obviously you need to be fit as well. It helps. If, if you have that bit of fitness, well, a lot of fitness, let's be honest, it's part of it because mm. if you have the fitness and you have the mind to push that fitness, then there's nothing can stop you. Mm. Like the body won't quit. The body will keep going until your mind quits. Mm. It's your mind is what quits, not exactly. your Exactly, yeah, yeah. So you just keep that going. And that's, that's, that's a range. It's funny because I'm a tennis fanatic and Roger Federer actually was just talking today about giving up tennis and okay. he announced his retirement, of course, just recently. Um, but he said he spoke further on it today and they said, why did you retire? And he said it's because he stopped believing. Yeah. He stopped believing that he would get better again. His mind basically stopped him. So he, he, he once he stopped believing, it, that was it. Do you understand? Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. look, when, when I retired from the from Pina Ranger and stepped out into the private sector, it was probably similar. I wanted, I had enough done and I kind of, I wanted that belief had gone. But I was getting older. I wasn't as sharp as I was. So I was going into a tra- almost a training role. So I was making baby rangers at that stage. That actually sounds very dodgy. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that's kind of what I did. And look, I just wanted to do something else because I wanted something else I could find that I could get that belief back in and get into it. And that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. Um, you tried to become a ranger once and it didn't, I did. it didn't work out. Oh, Jesus. Uh, how did you fail? What point did you fail? Yeah. And when uh, did you know you failed? When did you reach a Roger Feder- well, Federer I t- moment? I tell you, I failed before I even put my boots on to go up there because mm. I wasn't prepared. I didn't buy into it. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't have that. So, you know, to paint a picture, I was in my early 20s. Um, the Ranger Wing used to do this thing called a, a road show. So they'd basically send the Pied Pipers around all the barracks, hooking in all the young lads. Get up here. Look, this is brilliant. It's fantastic. You get a beard. You can jump out of planes. You get loads of money. Look at the camouflage combat. You get to look like Patrick Hawhey. There you go. You look great. It's all fantastic. But then you get up there and they knock the bollocks over you for a year. Um, so I wasn't prepared for that. I didn't believe in myself. So when the pressure came on, I quit. I packed up. Like I was still physically strong. My body could have still dealt with more. But what I call it is the why. And we use that word in, in, in the range wing and other special forces. That the why. When you're doing something that's a challenger, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be really under pressure. You have to create a bigger why than anything else. So when you're getting all those voices in your head telling you stop, you don't. Your why tells them all, shut the fuck up and you get on with it. So that's what you do. So no matter any walk of life, not just special force or whatever, anything you do, that's pressurized. Like doing the school run sometimes, you need a way to be dealing with the bullshit that goes on there or whatever, or shopping mm. in Tesco's or something like that. So Yeah. And can you remember a moment where it just cr- yeah, crushed you? I can't. Um, I I was lying. You don't get much sleep. I was lying in a sleeping bag um, next to my buddy with like 50 of us in this tiny room. And uh, of the two hours that you're supposed to sleep, I wasn't sleeping. And I just said to myself like, I started worrying about what if to do this tomorrow? What if to do that? And I just burnt myself out. So emotionally, I was just frazzled. So I just knew, I just came to my decision point then. Okay, this isn't for me. I'm not good enough. I'm shit. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad ranger. What was I thinking? So I quit the next morning, got pulled into the, the senior officer running the course who said, he was shocked. He says, we thought you were fucking flying. And I was going, oh, for fuck's sake, if you told me that, yes, I'd have been flying. But they don't tell you that. You need to tell yourself that. Did you and, feel bad after it? Yeah, I was gutted. I was like, you know, I was... Good. So I'm back to Cork to the infantry where I was in the Fort Tannen, which was great. And the lads helped me by slagging the shite on me for a couple of months you know, mm. and uh, having a bit of crack. So I kind of had a, a bit of a think about it. I kind of, you know, felt sorry for myself for a couple of months and then decided, okay, why didn't I pass it? What, 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 why did I fail? And I came up with these three reasons why, you know, that belief thing I mentioned, commitment. Buy-in. Buy-in, big time. So I said, right, okay, I'm, I'm done with it now. But I wasn't. So it was always in the back of my head. So it took me seven years to get back around to come back again. Mm. So in that time frame where I was weak, I built that. So I built I built my why. 
I built my commitment. I worried about what might happen. What if they put me on charge? What if this happens? So I went off and did courses and training and deployed overseas on missions where I learned all those skills and got a bit of confidence. So when I came back then, my why was bigger. So when I did selection properly and I passed it, I was flying. Okay. And when you passed it, to get through to get through the passing of it, yeah. give us an example of a couple of the hardest things that you have to go through. I mean, presumably, if I was training somebody, ideally, if I was training somebody for anything, let's call it a ranger, yeah. I would go, well, the training is going to have to at least in some way replicate the pain and the, 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 the endurance and hardship that they're going to have to go through. Nothing can totally replicate on live, live ammunition yeah. or being in the field, but I'm going to have to do something that nearly replicates it. So what are the couple of the hardest things yeah. that really kind of test you? To keep it very extreme. So obviously it starts off in the process of what we call shaking the tree. So the first few weeks are trying to knock people out of it. So it's like making things physically very tough. So the wall committees would all quit. Annoying. Yeah, like there's no break. Like what, what you oh, do just is, tough, actually, just tough. It's just tough, okay. just physical exercise, okay. no sleep, wet, cold, hungry all the time. And the people who aren't committed then will, will fade off like I did on the first. What's the worst, day. wet, cold, hungry? Oh, what's the hungry? Is it? I take wet and cold all day. Hungry's a bastard. Is it? Hungry's a bastard. And all three together are a fucking disaster. Like. So, <laughs> That's war though. Oh, it's, it is like, and you know, you, you just get used to it. But um, so for And me, what's worse, hot or cold? Oh, hot for me. I take cold all day. Like, yeah. See, I was a diver. So we, I, I ended up being a combat diver. So we were always cold and wet. So you just get used to it. Yeah, okay. So it's so fine, you, yeah. you can acclimatise to it. You can, yeah, yeah. And your tolerance for it gets much better. So I yeah. used to train myself to take ice baths. So I do like seven, one minute sitting ice baths or whatever, 10 Jesus, minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. But it's good. Your body, you're, look, like I said at the start, your body will do anything you tell it to do. Yeah. Once you get it prepared for it, your body yeah. will do anything you want yeah. it to do. Okay. So then at the beginning, yeah, the hardest thing. At, at the beginning, they're knocking the bollocks out yeah, of you. So oh, they're, they're, they're roughing you up. They're, yeah, they're knocking the bollocks out of you. There's all these evolutions and tests of like climbing over mountains with huge weights on and so on and so forth. And then you get into a phase where you go on, you get spend a couple of weeks in the mountains only which is incredibly tough. So you get all these, you know, missions. So it's like a three-day rotation of doing walking massive mountains at night, falling all over the place. And like, you're just in your head the whole time. It's just your head and your, your voice telling you, to keep going, keep going, keep going. And some people don't, some people quit. So that's what tests you the worst. Times when you're on your own, when you're in your own head. When there's activity going on, when you're doing events with people and you're being looked at, that's different. But I always found when I was on my own, so the hardest kind of physical thing I did, I suppose, um, would be, it's on the, the show. It's called Foreman Athman. It's a mountain march. So you carry 45 pounds plus water plus weapon and helmet. So in total, you're carrying about 75 pounds. And it's just you against a mountain. So you have a certain amount of time, which you don't know. And you have a certain distance to cover, which you don't know. Okay. So you can't pace yourself. It's, you, not, the, it's a not knowing. No, so you're fighting your head all the time. Like, mm. So you're going, okay, I'm going to walk this bit. Fuck, I could, I could fail by a second. And you're gone. You know yeah. what I mean? It just fucks your head up the whole yeah. way. Like, and you see it on the TV show, we do it, you know, as well. Because it's an excellent test. Like, it's yeah. an excellent leveler. A couple of schoolboy questions for you. How, and be, be, be honest with me as well. Yeah, or, 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 or don't be, don't be afraid to, 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 to say it if you, if, if, if like, we, we see a lot about Navy SEALs and we see a lot about Special Forces. How, how, how well did the Irish Rangers compare? How well was, how good was Eddie Reid telling me in, in Waterpark? Because <laughs> yeah. I have heard it before, believe it or not. Yeah, look, they talk about these guys in sort yeah, of kind yeah, of yeah. semi-hushed tones. Yeah, look, these are hardcore. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I spent like nine years in the regular army. Let's not, no, I don't, I don't want to be like, oh, oh, one for Ireland, we're no, better no. than the Brits at this. But no, like, just be honest. Not. Yeah. No, like they're, it's all down to mindset. And it doesn't, look, Navy SEALs, SAS, SBS... 
all these other units that we, we do links with and work with and have rub shoulders with and train with and all this kind of stuff. I was right? going to mention one more to you, the Foreign Legion. Yeah, like there's there's actually guys in my unit were in the range wing were ex-Foreign Legion, you know, there was two or three guys and I, I deployed in Africa and worked with Foreign Legion guys. They're, they're, it's the same, like it's down to mindset. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what nationality you are. Well, it's, that's another thing I was going to ask you actually. Um, is there Was there something in particular in, 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 our, in the Irish nature that made them unsuitable or, or relatively suitable for doing something like yeah, there's this? There's probably two things. The same thing will actually help you and sometimes defeat you at the same time. And the Irish ability to deal with people and kind of, you know, have a bit of crack about stuff is very positive sometimes, but sometimes it's fucking not. You get yourself in a lot of trouble, like, you know, especially with the more serious nations, you know what I mean? Like, I spent a lot of time deploying. Yeah, why is the Irish guy laughing? Yeah, yeah, like, I, I spent a mission on my own. I was the only Irish guy with a French element in Africa for six or eight months, whatever it was. And, like, obviously, I was speaking guttural French, you know, like, I could swear like a sailor in French, but ask me to do conjugation, not a fucking hope, you know? But, um, so that experience was great but they're very serious very focused and like yeah they have a bit of crack they're like us like they're the same yeah. like a few drinks a bit of crack American boys are the same you know Brits are the same you know we, we've done deployments with all of them or training with all of them should I say and like the, the kind of the common denominator for all of us is mindset that's yeah. for me that's what it is it doesn't matter their training's the same as us like our selection course is the same as the British the Navy SEALs yeah. It's just that like Theirs are more televised They get sent to war a lot more They have more money <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean That's yeah. the difference like, That's you know? true they have, Yeah and there's a lot more of them And, and the political will yeah, Absolutely they Political have a lot, will to win A lot of political Big capital time. Invested yeah, like, in them and, and Launch them everywhere Yeah I was going to actually Wrote down the word stoic And um, I remember Fintan O'Toole Wrote a great article In the Irish Times Once about uh, The Irish capacity For being stoic Yes And part of that is Our ability just to Put up with shit yeah, and part of our abilities to put up with shit is because we just get so sh- we just got shit religiously. Absolutely, we, we got shit from the Vikings, we got yep. shit from the Normans, then we got shit from the English, and then when the English finished, we got shit from the fucking priests. And we're just <laughs> yeah. we're yeah. just nonstop. Ah, oh, Jesus! So now we're free, yeah? No more shit, lads. Oh, more here it shit. comes. Here it comes. Just take it. Yeah. And so I thought that that might have given us a little. No, it bit does because look, absolutely, our tolerance for shit is fucking unbelievable. <laughs> it is like, and even you know, working with all these other nationalities, like. But your ability to just blend into situations like we have no kind of hangover, no kind of, you know, colonial hangover of, oh, we're Americans or we're British. We need to do this. Mm. We just kind of slide in. The patties just slide in, see what's going on. And they'll make the best of what's going on. Mm. Now, if that means shooting people, so be it. If it means having a crack of people, mm. that'll happen too. So that, that's kind of the difference where the Americans and other nationals go in and just shoot everybody first. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So. I mean, we see you on um, Hell Week and you're inflicting the pain and uh, you're putting the lads through their paces and everything. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, you've had real experience in the field as well in terms of uh, trauma, not trauma, but experiencing, you know, live bombast and stuff. I heard you on Richard Kern and I'd like to hear more about that experience yeah. of you were you were close to one explosion, which was a seven and a half ton concrete explosion. Y- yeah. But uh, seven and a half ton explosion. Yeah. Well, that one, though, was, was slightly different. The one I was really close, it was only a, a ton, but um, I was 75 metres away from it, but... Um, which was close enough but the seven and a half ton one I was en route to that hmm. so like I actually got on there for the aftermath of it how much was, damage does the seven uh, and a half there's ton? no words like in this part of the world you know we, we don't ex- experience that uh, like I've seen a lot of damage and bomb blasts in Lebanon and other countries and so on and so forth but like something that big so it's the size of a cement mixer full of explosives being detonated in uh, an urban area so it just flattens like this building that we're in now it'd be flattened. Like here we are on Dawson Street, like if that bomb went off. Five, the five stories. Flattened. It'd just be gone. It would be gone. And um, would all of us be gone? Yeah, you're mm. gone, yeah. Like the, the casualty rate for that explosion was, um, there was 140 killed 
and there was thousands injured like so we were finding people and parts of people for weeks after it, you know and mm. like a lot of our own team like we 31 people from our organization were killed in that blast another 80 injured and like you're looking at the likes of school children you know because it's it's an area like it's in a green zone in afghanistan mm. it was which is relatively supposed to be protected but this truck had driven through like 15 checkpoints like where it's just been waved on and not being checked so their target was the u.s embassy but they ended up blown at the German embassy which unfortunately was right across the road from where our office was and our main kind of client which was a telecommunications company so like yeah it's just carnage it's just carnage mm. you know and, and so you went in and you you were helping to do clean up in yeah well like situation. obviously we have, te- we have teams in there so like you're you're managing the kind of the aftermath of so my our main job the security team was to re-secure the area mm. and any kind of sensitive kind of information equipment is looked after and then we're recovering people then so the first kind of 12 hours we're looking for live people hopefully but like pretty quickly that ends and it's just a recovery operation of bodies at that stage you know mm. which you have to manage mm. so we were probably probably took us four weeks five weeks um to start cleaning up a lot of it but like the damage was it probably took a year two years to rebuild and all that kind of stuff on it, it. it's uh, the concept of for me anyway and i guess for lots of people listening out there would be the concept of coming across a a body part um, maybe let's cut, leave in something like a head or mm. something would just be anathema to us to even understand. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to walk away from that uh, easy and yeah, like um, it's I, like, yeah, it's like everything else. Like there's there's, there's routines. Is and, this part and, of the compartmentalization? Yeah, that you, you're you can do that. Of? Like yeah, because look, I was only talking to someone about this recently. Like I, I was kind of trained, or what we do is you, you try not to look at faces or hands. They're the things you try not to look. Why at. not hands? Hands are very Could, personal, are they? I, I guess so. Like, and which is unfortunate because, as as kind of rangers, when you go into a room to take a room, a hostage situation, the first thing you look at is hands to see if someone has a gun in it. Yeah. So you're going against your own training. So, mm. but obviously, if you're just finding the head, you, you've no choice but to look at the face. But uh, yeah, yeah. So but you like, really wouldn't want to be a sensitive ranger. No, like just go I'm, into the room and go. Oh, you've such really nice, expressive hands. Nails. Beautiful. I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you take the gun. Yeah. I, I, I'm Grant. Yeah, let's let's just all go home and call it off. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what happens all the time. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but uh, the yeah, hands look, are so expressive. Yeah, they are. Like so. Yeah, but look, it is what it is. Like, look, there's downsides to the nature of the work, and it's it's not like it happened that happened that often for me. Like to be honest, you know what I mean. Like obviously, Afghanistan's a different kind of different gravy, and like I was unfortunate enough to be involved in that huge blast, and the one you alluded to at the start was a smaller one. Um, but you were closer to. I was actually in, and I got knocked in through my door. So what's, what's just explain to me? Obviously, I just I, I know I wouldn't necessarily presume thing. I've never been in an explosion. All right, so let's just clear that one up for starters. Uh, but you were. What does it feel like? Um, so just really, just try to take it from the moment of explosion. So presumably, you don't hear it at the beginning. No, something y- happens to you before you hear it because yeah, your brain can only register that you've heard something a slight little yeah, a little delay after. Yeah. yeah. So like for, for me, um, do you feel something first before? Yeah, like I kind of it's weird you get almost this kind of sixth sense when you work in a kind of a zo- in zones like that or areas like that where you have the, the radar your your radar is very kind of well trained so I used to go to Afghanistan for eight weeks at a time nine weeks off for a month nine weeks so you're sharp like you need to be sharp because if you get something wrong someone's going to get killed or you're going to get killed so that, that kind of ups the ante of your, your 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 senses what you see what you smell and what you hear but more importantly what you feel so on that night I was um you know, we kind of do a nine to five almost during the day. We would go to, from where we lived to where we worked. 
and we would, you know, my job was to make sure security across the whole of Afghanistan. So we'd have assets all over the place. So you're managing that. Like most of the time, I'm in a pair of slacks and a shirt and I'm in an office and I'm ringing people and I'm on a computer. That's it. After hours then, or if something gets more serious, then I'm involved. I'm tooled up and I have weapons and equipment and so on and so forth, which this was. So I was getting ready to go for my dinner at seven o'clock over in a little dining facility. So this is like a little town we lived in, a little armoured, protected town that had like 200 Gurkhas around us. We're all armed. There's Americans, there's World Food Programme, there's German police. We're all living in there. But this truck came in behind our, where our accommodation was and blew in the back wall. So I was just closing my door about to go for dinner. And I just felt this vibe of bad, something bad. And just as I turned, the, bla- the blast wave from the explosion was coming down my hall like a freight train. And I was just like getting punched by like, or kicked straight in the chest. And I got knocked straight back in the door, which is only like a flush panel internal door, thank God, hit the wall and I'm on the ground. So straight away, your head, my head is ringing. I can't, all I can hear is like bells in my head, right? And like all the wind is sucked out of you. You just, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's just like this force of, you're just picked up in the air. That's all I can explain it as and push back. Um, it's like getting thrown out of a nightclub when you're very drunk, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do know what an explosion yeah, that's what is I'm like. Saying. I okay, you might okay. Get that. Or like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Uh, Sorry to take this back. houses. To, yeah, no, yeah. I, no, well, I can't say that now. Being a ranger in Dorothy, not in Kansas yeah. anymore. So, like for me, then at that stage, I'm lying on the deck um, for a couple of seconds, yeah. and I just do a self check, make sure I'm not like injured. What's a self check? I, I know like, it's command. Yeah, what, I, you I just look do a at primary. So no, I can look at my hands then. So just quick feel. You feel like it's pitch black at this stage. It's, it's a winter's evening, minus seven. Mm. All the power is gone. It's cold. Um, do you check for Instagram? Quiet. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I did check that out on my phone. Oh my God. Yeah. Such a good opportunity for a selfie. Yeah. Bomb blast. So took it out and checked. Did I get any likes straight away? Yeah. Uh, and that explosion. Abs- uh, it exploded. Oh, I'm going to get. It was huge. It's going to be pressure. Yeah. It just this exploded. It's going to be huge. This exploded on the internet. Well, you're in midair. Trying oh to my God. Yay. Kabul just oh. absolutely went yeah. viral. Kaboom in Kabul. Yeah. So yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah. So like you just get your shit together then because the beauty of all this like. My job there was to protect all the other people in the compound. So I had 120 people all told. Some of them were guards, some of my team armed. Others then are like HR guys, sales guys, like from all over the world. So my job then, after those five seconds, is get up, get my kit, and start going getting them and getting all them together. Mm. So they're, it's like a motel. They're all in different rooms, like mm. 52 rooms. So we're just trying to get them all together somewhere secure we can protect them because what ISIS do, it was an ISIS attack. They'll blow in the wall, then they'll send in suicide bombers. Oh. And, start, and they'll fight and they'll start blowing people up and killing people they don't care they don't care your religion that's all they want to do oh so this is a this is a way this of is, doing this the way it in, yeah. they, they so, blow the place up and then, then they walk in. in yeah so Fuck. so straight away once I got up I'm thinking our main vehicle gate was the target incorrectly because I'm a bit dazed after this blast so I get all my kit and that's where I run to first to make sure these guys aren't coming in so yeah. we secured all the gate but then I realised where the blast was and I saw it because like obviously there was carnage and we had a couple of casualties straight away we had a few people killed initially and we had plenty of people wounded. Yeah. But we also had like a call center in there that we had to go and clear. So like it's, it's absolute carnage trying to pull people out. And like people are like, it's like they're drowning. They just want to grab onto you mm. to, to save them. But um, so we had eight hours of kind of um, chaos, I suppose, of, of, of that, of getting people together, accounting for people, dealing with the people who are trying to get in at us and so on and so forth. And then once we get them all secure, then we evacuated to a secure location with some help from outside assets we had and some really good people you know, in different organizations and um, it was great. So anyone who survived the initial blast survived the whole thing. So, which is good for us, like, mm, you know. Mm. You, were, you were saying there about um, 
you know, just being on and being sharp and alert and the sixth sense. Do you believe in that? Um, I do. There's there's something that you hone. So you can't explain it though, I can can't. you? No, and I none can't. of us can. But no, I can't. I do you know the mother's? I know a mother's intuition, etc. Yeah, there you go. And she knows when something might be wrong with her child, yeah. even if he's not if he's there. Not there, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you be, do you believe that? Is it I a do. strong sense, strong feeling? It is. It is, and like of danger. It's just something very wrong. hard you, to explain. You can never like it's just, it's weird. It's just like a radar going off. And, okay, this isn't good. It's otherworldly, though, isn't it? I don't know what it is. And like two seconds later, I'm flying through the door. So mm. like. It, it's it's on you. Do you no, know? Was it was I, it a very distinctive feeling? Yeah, it was just like a real. You know, there's like that gut feeling of something. Okay, something really maybe bad. ask a different question. Have you had that feeling and nothing's been happened? No, you I've, see, I've it only happens it, when it, it's yeah, something, really okay. something really bad. Yeah. I've never kind of had it where, like, I've been in situations before where I've been shelled and shot at and all that kind of stuff. But mm. like, it happened so quickly, I didn't have the chance to sense this. Mm. But maybe, maybe some part of my, you know conscious or subconscious picked up the initial blast because it was probably a two second delay before it got mean? to me maybe it's a day de- it's kind of a deja vu in reverse i, I actually don't know so yeah, it I, could I, be a delay thing on the brain something. it yeah. could be a trick of the brain i, I actually don't know and look I, I talked to this to some of my former colleagues and friends mm-hmm. and they would agree some agree and some don't yeah. you know that there's definitely something like there's you know something you, you, on you. you pick something up yeah and sleep two questions when you're in that job when yeah. you're doing when you're in kabul are you sleeping at night absolutely but are you sleeping like James Bond in in Live and Let Die, where his one eye is open. No, no, no. You're sleeping. No, I, I have a gun on my bed stand, of course, and my body arms at the end of the bed. But of course, I'm sleeping because mm. if you don't look after yourself, you don't sleep. You're not functional. Like yes, of course. Like, I always I was saying to people that like sleep is a weapon. If you get enough, it's yours. If you don't, it's somebody else's. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. So you yeah. have to sleep, or you're not. You're you're in shit state then. Like, well, yeah, it's funny. Um, myself, and Patrick, were talking about just to you know a couple of things to ask you about in the interview and um, you know he said do you know when you're telling me about this absolute bitch of a day you might have like I mean the worst day ever no but I don't mean the worst day ever I mean a day that looks at the beginning like unsurmountable you look at the things you have to do you've gotten your painted yourself into a corner you gotta do this 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 maybe nine things and they're just like how will I get through that day and the way to do it is just chop it up into tiny pieces and it's just in the now the whole time Absolutely. And before you know it, it's 3.30 in the afternoon. You've done seven of the nine things. Yep. And you feel fine and you, there's two more left to do. And you're, you're on the home straight, but it's just chopping stuff into No, it is. And look, I'm a big advocate of that. And when I talk to groups about this, about, you know, resilience and stress and environments where you're worried and there's chaos going on around you or whatever. Like if you start looking at the whole picture, then that's when you get anxious. That's when you fail. That's when you stop yeah. doing stuff. You have to do small little things. And that night in Kabul for eight hours, I broke that up into like 30 second bites, a minute bite, three minute bites. Okay, next thing, done. Next thing, done. Next thing, done. That was it. Like, Because yeah. obviously you can imagine ch- things change so quickly. And like, you know, I have 120 civilians who are looking at my every move. And if I give a little, that terror look, mm. they're going to reflect the same way. So you got to give off that vibe of, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to make it. You, no have to, what. you have to give off confidence. You have to, even yeah. if you don't. There's a saying in special forces, right? It's a funny one. Um, the two rules of special forces is always know where you are and always look good. And if you don't know where you are, always just look good and you're fine. That's what you do. <laughs> so you give that projection. Out. Yeah. Even if you haven't a clue what you're doing, you never show it. Sounds like Zoolander. No, it actually sounds like RT really, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, yeah. Always look good. Always look good. Yeah. Just briefly back to my schoolboy fetish again. Um, yeah, go for it. I wrote down Jason Bourne here. So when you're in Kabul, right, and yeah. you go into a coffee shop, uh, for me, it's just a coffee um, and there's a shop. 
But for you, but for, for Jason Bourne, it was, no, there's a guy over there. He's 325 pounds. That's the exit. There's two windows there, which I could get through. Do, do you yeah. scope places? I do. Really? Yeah. You scope? You, so naturally. I do. I do it now. Like, even if I go out with my, my wife uh, for dinner, she knows. <laughs> always. Oh, no. Not this is shit again, no, right? No, I, I don't do mad stuff. It, it takes five seconds. And it's to do with, like, you know, from bodyguard, I suppose, if you're bringing a VIP in somewhere and, you know, you wreck it first. All you need to find is three simple things, right? Where the exit is, where you're sitting with your back to something firm and... Again, where the main door is. That's it. Why firm? Because uh, it's nothing come behind you now. Okay. You can see the door and you can see where to get away. That's I, all you need. So to you're do. just, you're seconds. in the Chinese, right? And the waiter's there and he's there. What are you having? And you're there. Right. So if I had the Ed Fu Young, which fucking door are you bringing it through? <laughs> yeah, so I can see it coming. <laughs> I'm coming through that door. Okay. But I tell, look, it's a common trait though with people. And I know, look, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm probably, I'm digging a hole here. All the lads from my dig background. Dig the hole, dig the hole. Yeah, but like, it's a common thing. And I say this to people, like, because I used to do active shooter training with companies, like American companies, where, you know, people are like, for example, the Bataclan attack and in Paris at the time, after that, the chaos of it. So what I was doing with the company I worked with was going to their locations and just teaching people very simple techniques that you could do in five seconds in a restaurant. And then you're happy. You're ready to go. Because like all what you are the five simple things like those like those that you said yeah said? like for example right if you're in Paris and at the time there was a lot of tax going on don't sit outside in the terrace like if you if you go inside sit somewhere where you're close to an exit sit somewhere you can see the door yeah. okay that's all you have to do don't sit outside see your exit and see the door then you're five seconds ahead of everybody else mm. and that's all you need and it doesn't take you don't have to be going like Jason Byrne looking around at mad shit it takes you five seconds and I do it everywhere I did it here when I came into this building I just do that like it's just it just happens. What did you do? Uh, I looked to see what where your stairwell led up. I was looking for a way out and I was checking out in here. Like, this is a dead room. Like, we're dead if anything happens in here. We're fucked. <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I'd just be getting behind you as a, as a human shield, Mario. I just have a feeling that at the end of this interview, I'm going to walk down that stairs and Ray is just going to throw himself yeah. through the top window. No, I, I walk these days. My back is fucking <laughs> It really hurts your back yeah, to do back that shit. Knackered, yeah, no. Yeah, and you talked there briefly about private stuff. So you yeah. got out of, so obviously you were in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, you were in jungles. You were in monsoon regions. How bad is a monsoon, by the way, to it's be in? How bad crack. is a jungle? Uh, jungle can be good. It depends, mm. Like obviously primary jungle, which is real thick stuff is a fucking, can be hard going. Because um, like everything in there is nasty, obviously enough. But there's, what I loved about it is like- Did you have leeches? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What are they like? Because I've uh, seen them in the movies. In the movies, like they burn them off with cigarettes. You can just pull them off. It's fucking, you don't need cigarettes. Yeah. But uh, I actually, the first time I saw one, I was actually in a stag <laughs> position, which means we were lying up in this kind of, six of us in this kind of jungle area and the lads were sleeping and I was on stag, like just watching out. And there was a, the first time I saw a leech, it was on my hand, right? And it looked like a little matchstick and it was standing on its, on its end and it's like wiggling like this. And I'm going, oh, what the fuck is that thing like? And then I said, look, I'll leave it there for a minute because I didn't feel anything. I looked away and I do my thing. I looked back about five minutes later and it was the size of my thumb. And I'm going, right, this fucker's eating me. So I just whipped it off. But they kind of stick. It's like a jelly. Yeah. And then it pops off, you know? Yeah. But that was that particular time. But um, Sucking the blood out of you. Yeah, and like, the jungle's good. Like, this, you know, did you get bitten by anything? Uh, or? Just small little snakes insects. or anything. No, not like that. No, no. Um, and there was some nasty things like Taipan, which is one of the, you know one of the deadliest snakes in the world. Oh, you know, the, the, the boys were there. Yeah, yeah, they're nasty fuckers. Yeah, um, but in general, for snakes, snakes will will leave mm. when you arrive. Like, you know, if you go looking for snakes and looking for trouble, then 
you'll find it. And we used to sleep on the floor, like in the jungle. Like we hadn't hammocks at the time. We hadn't these fancy safari beds. So we were lying down there at night in the dark or whatever you're doing or lying out in a position or whatever. So whatever's there is there. Like um, we didn't get bitten by anything. War is horror. War is horrific. Yeah. War is brutal and awful. Um, but for some people, there's an inescapable truth that war is also exciting. War is a rush. I mean, that's why, you, for example, in Platoon, even the film Platoon, you see the guy that doesn't want to go home after two tours of duty. He wants to stay four and five. Why? He's fucking addicted to it. Yeah, He's but- addicted to the narrowness of the world. In this world, this, in that world, it's just narrow. You, you die or you, get, or you don't die. Yeah, look, I, it's I, not complex. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, look, I, I haven't served in Vietnam or places mm-hmm. like that, but I've been in situations where it's, it's pretty intense and people are getting killed and so on and so forth. But um, like, I'm not a war junkie. I'm not into it. I prefer, actually, if it doesn't happen, and I just get to keep walking or there's no bangs and no one tries to shoot me. That's the best case scenario for me. But if it happens, it happens. But I, I have kind of friends and I know people that I worked with who I would consider war junkies for sure. That, you know, they call it the circuit. When you go on the circuit, which is working as a private security contractor, wherever it is in the world, which I did in Af- Afghanistan, with guys from all over the world, you know, um, that's, that's their fix. Like they're still doing that. They'll always do that. They'll always chase it. It's like, you know, following bloody, I don't know, like you two around the world. You mm. just go after them. These boys are the same. It's just following you. It's with, with yeah. a gun. That's like that's, that's what they do. And is that related to being a mercenary? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a similar, similar version. You're hired, yeah. gun. Yeah, well, like... If so you've you, protected people yeah, in the Yeah, if past. you look in Afghanistan, like there's so many private security contractors, so yeah. all these different companies, huge companies. So it's basically like a private army. Yeah. So we had a smaller version run by a couple of ex-colleagues of mine, Irish guys. And um, so you go there as... My job was a operations manager, which means everything. Any problem, you have to fix it. That's what that means. So you're looking after your... In today FM, it just means, Pat just goes, turn it on again. Yeah, yeah. It's like it a again. different meaning to the operations manager. Yeah, I know. So you end up doing everything. So like, you know, you're recruiting, you're training, you're doing intelligence, you're doing operations, everything and anything. But like, you get so many different companies. Like in Kabul, for example, before the pullout last year, like there's all these different companies. Every bank... Every single organization that has people on the ground from NGOs to, you know, charity organizations have some sort of security. So there's a huge footprint of American, ex-military, British, all the, all the usual kind of, and a couple of patties thrown in for the crack. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Like, they're good people, but some of them are very kind of professional specific and good. But you get that element of those guys who are just after the rush, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. You're listening to the Mario Rosenstock podcast, winner of Top Comedy Podcast at this year's Irish Podcast Awards 2022. Thank you. This is a fascinating conversation. I'm really enjoying it, um, Ray. And actually, you could, there's so many other things I, I, I want to talk to you about. But um, there's some people listening to the podcast as well. And, oh, great. Uh, they is listen right just us chatting? That's no, great. because well, <laughs> I, I, I allow the podcast to be listened by, to by some people. Some of them okay. are in their cars. They're on the road. Good. And they're usually well known as well. And um, they, they, they dial me in beforehand to okay. say, they ask me during the week, who's on this week? So I said, it's, it's going to be Ray Goggins and uh, a number of people get in touch with me. And I'd be surprised who's got in touch. Would you believe Ronan Keating is on the line? Um, I think he's, he's in his, I think he's in, a, he's in his Renault. He's on the way to Malahide. Say hello to Ronan. Come on, Ronan. Great to talk to you. How are you keeping? Fair play, Ray. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I'm absolutely mesmerized by the conversation here. I'm just sitting in the car. Listen, um, you were a bodyguard, yeah? I was, yeah, yeah, I was. Sort of private security. Yeah, are you looking for one? Are you hiring? Well, hang on. 
I just released an album, right, of Irish songs, okay? Classic Irish songs like The Island by Liam Brady and, um, you know, um, uh, Moondance by um, Clinton Morrison. Absolutely, all right? Now, the thing is, I've had a fair few death threats, okay? There's been a few assassination attempts. Yeah. Um, and um, I was just wondering if you could help me out. Or if, how much are you per hour? No, Ronan, I swear to God, I've worked in Afghanistan. I've dealt with the Taliban. No, 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 listen. I wouldn't take you on in a heartbeat. No, but, listen, but I'm looking for, for protection, okay? Because That's what I'm saying to you. Do you know anything about sniper fire? <laughs> no, I don't have enough body armour. I don't have enough body armour. <laughs> I'm living up in Mal- Malahide, right? Now, there's been a few landmines planted out. Do you know what, how to recognise them or anything? I have a good idea how to run away from them. Look, uh, basically what I'm saying is there's a lot of people want to, trying to kill me at the moment. I'm just... I can see that. Yeah. I really appreciate what you said about going into restaurants and everything, yeah. looking for the exits. You, you might want to do that a lot and, and wear very comfortable shoes. Fair play, Ray. So I'm on my own. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you're on your own. I, I think I, there's a couple of UK lads. You might I'll give you a number there at the end if you want. UK so. lads? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think they're looking after Robbie Williams. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> take it easy. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't help him. Yeah, sure. Look, what can you do? Yeah. Who are some of the f- funny people you worked for, or, or interesting people you worked for? Or because um, because you you, you that's, this is you're getting a kind of a, a window into other people's lives. Yeah, because you're you're taking care of them. You do, and and in patches you actually you feel like you don't exist, which is weird. Um, but it's okay. Like everybody with the security guy or the bodyguard, right? He's a hindrance, or she's a hindrance until someone tries to shoot him and then they're, you're very important all of a sudden and at, at whatever level but uh, some good people I worked for um, over the again I only did that for probably like a year where I did some some kind of big enough names I suppose but I never really enjoy doing it because like you know it's very hard to protect someone that everybody knows and like everybody wants to slag them like it's not really about their security it's about their prestige or getting them embarrassed or someone throws a bloody underpants at them outside a pub or something shit like that like or gets a picture of them when they're half cut which you don't want to happen so that's what you end up doing like so it's a bit kind of it's actually busier than some of the more extreme environments I've been in in a different way but it is interesting like um, to see you know their lifestyle and what they do and you know, people that you might see or think of, oh, these usual use A-list actors and stars like that, they have it all going on. They don't, like, they're prisoners themselves. Like, they can't go anywhere. They can't go out to the shop or go for a pint like you were saying there after your show and wherever. You just can't do that. Like, so that's where I found it. It's kind of sad for a lot of them. Um, some of the funny people I've worked with. Uh, you talked at one stage about watching senior management doing deals and uh, yeah. you were using the, the expression emotional intelligence absolutely tell yeah. me about that that's yeah, interesting that, that's, that's Ajay Banga um, I did I worked for Mastercard as a kind of a third party kind of a consultant for a year or so which was a fantastic experience because like he's a man like he's a world leader and his ability to relate to people regardless like of who they are you know is amazing and he's, he's just a really good man um, you know self built like look he can just just very inspirational like you know does things very simply you know doesn't doesn't expect anything just likes things very straightforward doesn't like any attention just gets on with his day so this person who was in a completely different field to you you were very impressed by the way they deal and talk to people yeah because like again no matter what you do in your whatever your job is even my job I discovered like you know I spent so many years trying to perfect my skill as a ranger and all this kind of stuff and, you know, be a brilliant shot and be fit and diving and all this kind of stuff, right? What I didn't realise, I was building all these kind of softer skills along with that as a side effect, which were equally as important. I didn't realise until I got a bit older. What are the softer skills? Like the likes of, you know, like um, empathy, 
kindness, you know, like humor. Absolutely. Like, you know, listening. To, ah, listening. Yeah, exactly. Everything. Like being able to talk to people correctly. And I found in that environment with executives in particular, the better executives, it's not about being that leader of, of what you know or your intelligence. It's your ability to deal with people. So for me, what I learned in the whole time is like, whatever your job is, it's all about relationships. It's all about people. Me in, in special forces or whatever I was doing, it's about people yeah. and how you deal with them. Like, and if you're leading a team and you're trying to get, get them to do something that might get them killed, you need to have a good relationship with those boys and girls and be able to get them to do what you want to do in a good way. Yeah. So There's also a, a million little things that yeah. people put into stuff. Some of it consciously and some of it subconsciously that make mm. things good, that make things happen, that make yeah. teams work. I agree. Small you know, little thing can be somebody, the difference. If so, somebody goes, what makes him good? And you go, well, you can see he's six foot three. He's got a good haircut. He commands good baritone voice. Everybody respects him. Bollocks. That's probably only no. 20% of it. It's no. the, there's the other 80% that's going on as well, which makes that thing. Because there are, there are loads of guys and girls with great appearances and great voices and intelligent. Yeah. But there's a lot of other stuff that goes into creating a bit of genius, creating a bit of team, creating a success, creating a dynamic. No, I agree. And it's the investment. there's a lot of intelligence going into it. No, like your investment in your team and your people is very important. And like, I'll give you an example. I was in Mali. uh, I was attached attached to the British Army, a number of us for a couple of months in uh, desert conditions, training Malian troops. So we were getting, like I was getting a group of 50 Malian troops for 10 weeks, training them how to do different things to fight insurgents. So... You know, the language, the general language was French, but they spoke a couple of different, like there was two or three different tribal variants in the group. So what I did the very first weekend, they were arriving on a Monday morning. I got photographs of all of them and I learned all their names by heart over the weekend, all 50 of them, because they're a very respect driven culture. So like, you know, you know, I was this guy arriving, I had four or five other instructors and we were going to be doing our best to teach them at the start. So I was thinking to myself, what kind of people do, am I drawn to? Like, am I drawn to guys, six foot three muscles, great talkers? No. The people I'm taught, I like, and always like following, and I always got skills from, were people like, people like Ajibanga, who take the time to find out what the people are like, what they do, what do they want to do? Like, what are they doing this for? You know? So I learned all the names, and I greeted them all by name when I met them all on the Monday morning. And straight away, there was that buy-in from them that I mentioned at the start from this this team. So they broke their heart and they worked very hard for the 10 weeks I had them, you know, to try and teach them. No, they were, they were serving troops. They were good guys. Because you invested in them. Yeah, and, and like, my instructors, not just me, like I had five, four or five UK instructors, I'm not an Irish lad, and the same. It was, mm. it was great. Like, and if you give them that respect and you give them that ability to kind of take ownership and put their input into it, you know, it, it's great. And no, that was later on in my career. As a younger guy, I wouldn't have been as kind of caring, you know, I'd be more sharp. Do you know? You kind of mellow as the years go on. It's as simple as this as well. People love it when you show you care. Whether that be in an empathy way or just doing a job. Smallest thing. But just doing a job properly. Yeah, yeah. They just, people just completely change their their behavior. they do, they do. Or, Or you do like, I remember I was working for a fashion app, right? And myself and Ger Reedy, he's on the show. He's the big guy that looks like Zod with the beard. Mm-hmm. I know we're all bald, but he's particularly big. Hard as nails, this guy. And uh, super smart. So we were working for a fashion app and we, were, we ran the biggest e-com fashion shoot in the history of the country, right? Us. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know you're looking at this dazzling shirt I'm wearing at the moment. I did work in the fashion industry. So I know we were doing this fashion shoot for two weeks, like we thousands of stock, loads of stuff rolling through, loads of models and this, that and the other. And we were doing it in a place out in, um, I can't remember, some old lot anyway in Dublin. 
and it was pretty downtrodden, bit a bit kippy. So we got this fancy toilet for the models, for the male and females, because like we didn't want them going to some little mm. dirty little toilet that we would use. So we were arriving on one of the days of the shoot. So I'm sitting there. So I was the director for Europe. Jar was US director, like so pretty high up in the group and all. And uh, so when some of the people arrived, me and Jar out cleaning the toilets, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the, the the lady running the 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 kind of um, the fashion side was going like, "Why are you doing that?" Like, because it needs to be done. Like. Like it needs to be done. What are we going to do? Get one of the models to do it. Like they're busy all day. Like we're not. We're just kind of standing back when it, once it gets rolling. So when you're a leader, when you're, you have a team and you're training people, you have to pick your moments to get stuck in and like actually, you know, put your neck on the line. Mm. And it doesn't just mean cleaning the toilet. Sometimes you got to kind of, you know, take a hit mm. for the team or yeah. whatever. Or, or like look after yourself last. Yeah. You know? Yeah. One thing that strikes me here just as you talk about that is Donald Trump would never have been able to become a ranger. I just, just any of the, yeah. quali- every, every single quality you've mentioned is, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of calls coming in from Kildare. Oh, great. Yeah, good, for you. Good. Ray Darcy's on the line. Oh, Say hello to Ray. Ray. yeah. Say hello. Ray, what's the crack? Are you how, well? How are you? How are you, Ray? I'm good. I'm good, good Ray. Good, 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 Um, I heard you talking there about being in Mali. Yep, I did. I did. And learning everybody's name. That's right. Yeah, I did. I did the same thing. Maybe it's a, a Kildare thing for the Rose of Tralee. Oh yeah, thirty-three roses in two nights. I learned all their names off by heart. <laughs> come on, come on! It was brilliant, brilliant. It works, works. Okay. It does work. Yeah. No, it works. It does. Yeah. No, it yeah. does. It does. It yeah. does. I'm not saying I should have been a ranger, but it's a good start. It was a good start. Yeah. Empathy. That's what I have as well. Bags of it. Bags of it. Yeah. Bags of it. You do. Fair play to you. Yeah. Well on. done. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Ray. And Christy Moore is on the line oh, as well. Good stuff, Christy. Yeah. Say hello to him, Christy. Oh, okay. Well, Christy. I'm a big fan. Fair play. I'm a big fan of yourself. Where, uh, oh, Jesus, it's great to listen to you. Jesus, you've you've had some existence now. Um, I was meaning to ask you this. There's a fella running around Kildare with a big log on his shoulders. Would that be in yourself? He yeah. kind of looks like <laughs> yeah, Pep yeah. Guardiola on that's steroids. That's me. That's me. Yeah. If you're if you're out in the forest near it hanging there any Sunday morning, you'll see me. With was it, that yeah. yourself? <laughs> it was me. Yeah. And what were you singing? I don't really sing. I do a lot of crying when I'm running with that log, but uh, I don't. Oh, it really. sounded as if you were singing anyway. Was it crying? I was probably humming. I was humming. Yeah. I was trying to pick up the tune because yeah. I was thinking. going to write a song about. I was thinking of doing something about that, but you inspired me. Good, good. It's great. I look forward to it in your next album, Christy. Oh, it is. It's fantastic stuff. Brilliant. 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 Thanks, Christy. That's great. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about... Uh, thanks to all our callers, by the way. A uh, couple of co- quick ones. NATO. What do you think about NATO and Ireland being in NATO? Like, who's going to protect us? Like, look, I'm not a right-wing advocate of, oh, we have to join this. Like, neutrality is uh, is not an important point at, anymore because we can't defend it. Like, neutrality only works when you can defend it. So the, U- the war in Ukraine has shown all of us, I guess, that... The Americans don't have an appetite for fight. They're not going to step in here. If, if anything happens, I'm not saying it will, but like we have to be sensible about our future and our kind of geographical position as well. So we have to. So, would you be coming from the, the 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 idea that if you believe in freedom and if you stand for freedom, you've got to be prepared to take a stand for freedom and ultimately step up to the plate? Uh, yeah, like look, I know people get hung up on the whole neutrality thing in in our country, and like you know, it was great. This goes back to the. F- Second World War time. That's where it comes from. Like, and you know the way things are now. They're like terrorists don't care what your passport is. Like when I worked in Afghanistan, Afghans, Muslims, Christians, Americans, Paddies, everyone got killed together. They don't care. 
So when we're in that environment, you need something bigger. Unfortunately, we don't have, now our military are doing their best, but they've been cut down over years. We don't have enough air assets. We don't have enough kind of, you know, like equipment. We don't have enough ships. We don't have enough people. They need to fix it. So like, I'm not saying we're going to war and we're going to join the Americans and go off invading countries. We're not, but we need to protect our own country from not just like, you know, the likes of Putin and terrorists, like, you know, there's there's criminality, there's everything and anything. Mm. Like a, a good structure and a good a good enough military or defence force in our country mm. will lend itself to supporting the whole country. Okay. Unusual kind of callers calling into this show as okay. well. I thought they'd be all sort of macho or something, but yeah. like, do you know Francis Brennan? I do know Francis. Francis. I'm actually a big fan. I love, are you? I love his routine and, and his, yeah. Say hello to him. Good man, Francis. I'm a big fan. How are you? <laughs> How are you? It's great to talk to you. Oh, listen, too. I mean, and fellow, fellow RT stalwarts, right? We both have programs on the telly and hope you're yeah. over next series and everything. And that's fantastic for you. Brilliant. You're really wonderful. And I love the way you keep your beard. You're very, very well kept and all that Thanks. sort of stuff. But listen, just a quick point. I watched episode one of Hell Week there, right? Now, forgive me for saying this, Ray. There's a lot of damp on the walls. It's all a bit dowdy. I know. We could do it with a good set of curtains as well. I'd I say. think a bit of linen would good and a bit, yeah. bit of white, bit of white tablecloths. Yeah. I mean, I know that you don't give them much food or anything, yeah. but even when they're eating, you know, throw out a bit of white linen, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and a bit of paint. Would you throw a bit of paint? I heard you like doing the jacks. I do, yeah. You, yeah, do, you like yeah. cleaning out the jacks. I, I'm a good man for cleaning toilets. I love yeah, toilets. To be fair. Yeah. I love toilets. Yeah. I adore toilets. Good. And I love cleaning toilets. Great. But listen, I know you like cleaning toilets, but listen, could you just, you know, the toilets are a bit dirty on the yeah, yeah, Hellwick, you know? Yeah, they are a bit rough, yeah. right, yeah. And the other thing I was thinking, there might be an opportunity for you in Dunn's doors. You okay. know, my, my, have you thought about putting in, um, having your own line of torture accessories? Oh, that's actually a great idea, yeah. Be brilliant, yeah. because you'd be brilliant with the handcuffs and the, 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 yeah, ca- yeah. the, the, the cable ties and everything. Oh, yeah. Potter Carrington's doing the golf. He is, yeah. I'm he's, doing the linen. Yeah. You could do the torture stuff. I could. The I S&M could. stuff or whatever. Well, yeah. Well, not S&M, no. I, I know you're yeah, not Yeah, we'll, we'll keep a country, no, we'll yeah. keep a country for maybe just brighten it up a bit, lick a paint or something. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. tell Zod keep, or whatever his name is. No, I'll tell Zod. Yeah, yeah, I love his beard. Yeah, he's great. that's great, yeah. Great, 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 great. Good luck. Thanks, Francis. Fair play to him. He watches it. He does. It's great. Um, Roy Keane's on the line there oh, says well the from Cork yeah. Fairhill, yeah. or yeah. from Say hello. Roy how are you fellow Cork man how's things how's it going I was um, just driving around Cork here I, I was going to get out of the car a while ago and I said no I've got to keep listening to this I'm not impressed at all Fairhill Fair, you think Fairhill is hard yeah you think Fairhill is hard I heard you talking about leeches there a while ago you're afraid of leeches why didn't you just leave the leeches on just fucking, I left him on. We had leeches. I went out to Singapore. You left him on for too long, I'd say. Huh? I went out to Singapore there with United. We went out in the night out. There was a few leeches. I left him on. I enjoyed them. But I'm no, sorry. you're there. Oh, God, too soft for the leeches. Fair hill, typical. I know. In I know. Mayfield, we would have let the leeches on. We would have asked the leeches, invited the leeches in. And ate the leeches, I'd say, at the end of the Ate them? No. Why would you eat them? You're getting your That's own just blood eating back. your own blood. Exactly. Yeah. There's no nourishment in it. That's you're not thinking straight. Oh, okay. This is from okay. a fella that goes into a chipper and he's looking at where the exit is. <laughs> thinking about an exit route, are you? I don't okay. look at exits. I get stuck in wherever I'm in. Straight in. No. I'm not saying where how do I get out of here? Where's the door? I'm there. Show me who's in here and I'll fucking beat the whole lot of them. <laughs> you're there. Oh, let's see. I'm going into a Chinese in Fair Hill. I'm afraid. Where's the door? <laughs> that's Fair Hill for you. But that's yeah. Fair Hill. I know. That's the way they are. I know. How do I get out of it? You want to be thinking of how you can get into it. Yeah. But you see, it's different for you in Mayfield. There's no doors in Mayfield. The only thing I like about you is your beard. <laughs> Credit to your suitness. That is a great beard. Great thanks. beard. Thanks, Roy. Great. I'll, ta- I'll oh, take oh, that. Oh, I'll take oh, that. Oh, great beard. Thanks. Great beard. 
Fair play, Roy. Good That's man, really Roy. good. I mean, I have to say that he's, 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 he knows what he's talking about. Oh, Davy absolutely. Fitz is on the line as well. Oh, Jesus, deadly. Davy said, say hello to Davy Fitz. Davy, how are you? Ray, look at, I'm driving from, I'm driving from Wexford over to Clare here. Hi, Davy. And I'll tell you, I'm staggered, so I am, at what I'm listening to on that podcast today. Why is that, Davy? I can't believe that people think you're being tough on them contestants. Well. Those contestants have it easy with you, Ray. I'll tell you that now. You are nowhere when it comes to going hard on them contestants. I'll tell you, if I was taking them, if I was in the Rangers, and I'd love to see what them lads do, because I don't Thank know... You. Would they come up to scratch? Mm. I would go hell for letter, so I would okay. on them Rangers eh, if I got a hold okay, on Davey. them. But fair play to you yeah. for getting away with it anyway. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening to me. So, anyway, Davey. Good no, luck. no worries, no worries yeah. at all. Well, we've reached the end of the road, Ray. Um, you, I must say, really, really enjoyed talking to you. Um, and um, you really committed and bought into this conversation. I did. I did. <laughs> there was a lot of buy-in there. There was right? and resilience. You, a bit of everything. I was talking to yeah, a ranger. There wasn't much you, empathy, now, but there was. A, there was a few things going fair, on. But you really bought into the conversation. I you went, I'm a ranger, and I'm now in a conversation. Yeah. Where's the door? Yeah. Where's my opponent? Where's the door? And I was ready to go at any second, <laughs> just in case I went pierced. Yeah. Thankfully, there were no explosions. No, no, it was all good. Was really all pleasure good. to meet you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, yeah, million, Ray. Delighted. And that's it. My thanks to Ray Goggins. I really enjoyed meeting Ray. I could have talked to him for hours more. And in fact, coming up in the next two weeks or so, we have um, taken a couple of little extra bits that Ray did for me um, about certain issues, uh, including Cherry Orchard and um, war movies um, that I think might be of interest to you in a small little snippet of a bonus podcast that we might put out. Thanks to you for listening. Um, If you can just tell one person about this podcast, I'd be eternally in uh, your debt. Thank you very much uh, for subscribing, listening and all of that stuff. You can catch me um, on Twitter, on Facebook, but you can also reach me directly, mariorosenstock at gmail.com. Do so. I get back to 95% of them and I read them all. Take it handy. Same time, same place next week.